As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams gonna throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's gonna take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today we are taking a look at a couple of guys that are declaring for the NFL draft around Tar Heel football. One Tar Heel who is entering the transfer portal. And we also play a game of true-false before we get out of here. Let's start by talking about the main guy that everybody's going to be talking about when it comes to entering the NFL draft. Got Josh Marlowe here with me to talk about the impact that Sam Howell and his uh, choice to enter the NFL draft is going to have on this Star Heels football team moving forward. And, uh, buddy, no shock at all that uh, the Tar Heels junior gunslinger decides to enter the NFL draft uh, at following a disappointing 2021 season for the team as a whole not so much for him though yeah i mean that was the expectation entering the season when this team entered preseason top 10 he was a legitimate heisman candidate um and then you know the middle of the year there was a lot of talk from scouts that saying hey he should come back we had that same discussion on here and then you look at really what happened the last month or so of the season he really took his play to a whole nother level, made it really impossible to, to, to even think about him coming back for that senior season. But you never knew because he left it open to to return. He did walk on senior day, but as he said, academically, I'm a senior. That's why he was walking. But we I think we all knew then and there he was, he was going to go to the NFL. But then you go to the bowl game, and you still didn't know because he didn't say. He was still leaving it open. And then the bowl game kind of really – that was the, the final straw because I – I don't know if, if the team would have competed better had they won, if that changed his mind at all. But there's nothing left for him to do. He's done everything he could do here. There was nothing left for him to do at North Carolina as their quarterback. And you look at the draft class that's going to be coming out of the of college football this year. It's not top heavy like 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 next year is going to be a loaded quarterback class. So if he goes and competes in the senior bowl, which is a topic that many people have brought up, if he impresses at his pro day, if he impresses at the combine, he can work his way back into being a top ten pick because as we all know in the NFL, it's a quarterback thirsty league. People are going to overdraft or they're going to overspend if they fall in love with a guy. And Sam Howell has a lot of attributes for them to fall in love with. So this all in all, it was the right decision for Sam Howell and ultimately the right decision for Carolina football under Mac Brown. So that's interesting because you've kind of come around because I know a couple weeks ago you were kind of in the camp of him coming back. You well, thought that would probably be what's best. What's changed in your mind? I, I still think he needs to come back to college. But as I said after we after we, we recapped the bowl game, if he wanted to play another year college football, he should transfer. 
because he wasn't going to get any more accomplished here. Yeah, that just isn't that that just isn't going to happen. And the coach, and it's really the coach exception. And it's nothing against Phil Longo. I think Phil Longo got the most out of him. But there's another level of coach that you could get in college that you're not going to get at Carolina. So it's it's it was either come back and transfer and go to one of those programs, or go to the NFL and see what you got. And so it was really more of of, of that where. We knew he wasn't going to play for anybody else other than North Carolina. He was never going to transfer to go anywhere else to try to win a conference championship, win a Heisman, whatever. And so I, you know, I just, and I just think that was what it came down to. But as I said, it was the right decision for Sam. But also, that was what was best for North Carolina was for him to move on because now Mac Brown's really got to figure out the future of his program. Well, this is going to show really what Mac Brown and this staff is made of. Yeah. Uh, do they have that next guy that's ready to go? We we think they possibly could, but that's really going to test that and, and answer the question. And, yeah, this is a tough loss. You're talking about a guy that threw a touchdown in all 37 games that he played in in his career. He's the holder of 21 different school records, including the career record for passing yards with 10,283, passing touchdowns with 92, and total offense with 11,292 yards. He threw for at least 3,000 yards in each of the three seasons that he was on campus and totaled at least 3,600 yards of total offense and 35 touchdowns in each one of those years. He is top 10 in ACC history in passing yards, fifth all-time, passing attempts, uh, passing yards per attempt, second all-time, adjusted passing yardage per attempt, first all-time, passing touchdowns, third all-time, passing efficiency, second all-time, Total offense, seventh all-time. Total yards per play, 7.6. That is third all-time. And total touchdowns, fifth all-time. So you're talking about a guy that... And and I know, you know, looking at his his record, most people are probably going to say... I mean, there's people that want to try to make the debate that he's not even the best quarterback in Carolina history. Yeah, that's Which I think is ridiculous. He's probably a top... He's probably the third best player to play football here. You put him in the same breath as Lawrence Taylor. You put him in the same breath as Charlie Choo Choo Justice. Well, here's the thing. Lawrence Taylor's career was good, but it wasn't great at college. He he was a better NFL player than he was a college player. He took it up a whole nother level. And look, I mean, Julius Peppers, I guess, was somewhat similar, mm. but Julius Peppers was really, really dominant in college. Lawrence Taylor... I mean, he had his moments, but he moved back and forth between. He he started as an inside linebacker, moved to outside linebacker. So, I mean, yeah, no, I think he's probably right there in the conversation with, yeah, Charlie Juchu Justice is up there. Dr- Dre Bly is in that conversation as well. You're talking about a guy that was a three-time first-team All-American. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam's probably in there. Julius Peppers, that's probably it. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Ryan Switzer, but I think that because he leads you in every one of your major receiving categories, but I would probably still say Sam's a little bit ahead of him. But, I mean, I think you've got to have the the conversation. I mean, he's got to be up there with some of those numbers that I just read off. I mean, where he's he's got to be what probably in the second or third tier of ACC quarterbacks all time. I mean, the the, the win loss record aside, you're talking about one of the most dynamic quarterbacks to ever do it. And I mean, yeah, the problem is is like you're looking at maybe that third tier because if you look at what the Clemson quarterbacks have accomplished, what Florida State quarterbacks have accomplished in this conference. So well, so look, Trevor Lawrence. I think I think Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston, and Deshaun Watson are probably in a tier by themselves. Then you start to get into the conversation of is this guy in the same tier as a guy like Lamar Jackson, Charlie Ward? These are guys that won Heisman trophies, yeah, but nice. maybe weren't as consistently dominant throughout their career as Howell was. They yeah, were. Guys I don't think he's in the same up. breath as those guys because of how dominant Lamar Jackson was the year he won the Heisman. Charlie Ward took Florida State to a national title. Look, he's up there, and it, it, 
mainly we should focus on what he meant to Carolina. And he's one of your three to five best players ever. He was probably the first player since Peppers that the fan base could gravitate towards and just universally love. Because the guy loved being a Tar Heel. He loved uh, everything about being the quarterback for Carolina. And you knew every Saturday that dude gave you a chance. And you, you, you never felt that before Sam Howell. You had good quarterback play. You had TJ Yates. You had Brent Renner. Marquise Williams took you to an ACC title game. But you never felt every week going in you could win with those guys. Sam Howell took you toe-to-toe with the number one team in the country in Clemson. He took you to Miami and beat them by 35 points. He took you to a Orange Bowl without four 1,000-yard players and had you win the game in the fourth quarter. He he embodied everything that you want your quarterback to embody, and he he is what we've been looking for for a while. He's an ambassador for Carolina football. They haven't had that since Peppers. They have that in Sam Howell and 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 Mac Brown 2.0, and that's what you're going to look back on. I compared it all season long that you hope that he's – He's to Carolina what Taj Boyd was to Clemson. Now, granted, he didn't accomplish what Taj did at Clemson for Carolina, but even if, if that parallel turns out to be accurate, you're going to feel pretty good about his years moving forward because no matter what Carolina does next year, three years from now, five years now, whatever, assuming it's all positive, if it's negative, it's, it's not because of Sam Howell. If it's all positive success, he's the reason why you're having that success. Well, the other, I mean, the, the recruiting success is, is definitely – something that you have to credit to him. I mean, it doesn't start without him. We've talked about that multiple times. If he doesn't flip from Florida State, then Carolina th- – this never really starts at Carolina. That that would have been – you would have had to probably scramble and try to find um, – you you would have had to probably scramble and try to find your guy your guy somewhere else. Um, remember, the transfer portal wasn't really big at that time, so who knows what the direction of Carolina football is if you don't end up landing a guy like Sam Howell, and he is if he's not able to come in and have the type of impact that he had on Carolina football. I think you're right. This is the guy that for the first time in a long time. You know, Carolina was consistently selling out stadiums. There was national buzz about Carolina heading into a preseason. This was a guy that, I mean, I can't even remember the last time that you honestly had a guy that was on the Heisman watch list for Carolina. It's probably Julius Peppers. So for Carolina to get to that point under him, I think is a really great sign, you know, of of just what he meant to Carolina and and I think yeah there's no debating that he's the most accomplished quarterback in Carolina history and to me there's no debating that he's the uh, that that he's the best quarterback in Carolina history and I think you could also make the argument the most important quarterback in Carolina history depending mm-hmm. on how the direction of the program goes from here and now you know he of course gets ready to move on to the NFL He's consistently seen as the as the third or fourth quarterback on most uh, of the draft boards right now, which kind of means he's borderline first round um, in in a lot of mocks. Some people see him going in the second round. Um, it seems like you know he's he's kind of jumped up past the guy uh, that originally I did not think he would be ahead of on a lot of boards in Carson Strong out of Nevada. But it looks like he's up above him. Um, I Most sites have him above Desmond Ritter, but pretty much the consensus is he will not go ahead of Macaral. He will not go ahead of Kenny Pickett, and he will not go ahead of Malik Willis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other guys, I think, are a little de- little more debatable uh, going forward. So we'll uh, be following that. I'm with you, though. I think and we've talked. I've I've said it a couple of times. I don't know if I've mentioned it here on the podcast, but I've said it to you off air. I know a few times. This dude's going to tear up the pre-draft process if he goes to the Senior Bowl. He's going to be one of the favorites there because we've heard how many times that he is a dude that studies film just about as much as any other quarterback out there. Um, he's done you know, extensive research on other guys' films, so I feel like a, he's really going to impress some of these executives when they sit down with him. If you get to go to the NFL Combine, he feels like a Combine quarterback. The way that he, he plays 
I the think underwear Olympics. I, I I I think he would he would shine there if he ends up throwing. Even if he doesn't end up throwing, he would he would shine there again because he's going to be around all of those NFL executives. And then pro day, I think that should be pretty easy for him. So I think maybe out of any of the quarterbacks in this draft class, he honestly gives the feel to me of the guy that would probably benefit the most from the full pre-draft process I think the concern is is are you going to get that full pre-draft process for him yeah and then also you gotta you gotta wonder how much does what he does you know especially at the pro day and then the combine against open air as opposed to what's on film how much does that override it now if he goes to the senior bowl and he goes to those practices and he impresses that's where I think you 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 have the most to gain because you're actually playing a game. You're playing against live defenses and stuff like that. And so that's going to be the thing. The good news is is that this kid loves football, and a lot of GMs. That's what they want to know. How how much do you love the game? How much do you know the game? We I think his IQs up there with with these quarterbacks that are coming out this year. It's just how much does all of that override what he's put on tape? Because as I've said all season long, the issues that he has. They are glaring when you look at him projecting to the next level. The you know the fact that he doesn't have the clock in the back of his head, his arm talent is there, but he especially this year he didn't throw receivers open to the level that you got to do in the NFL. So it's gonna be interesting. But of all those guys, if I'm betting on one of those two guys to make it out on the positive side, I'm gonna lead to Sam Howell because I know that guy personally the best out of all the other quarterbacks. Well, here's the, here's the other thing is that a lot of people want to try to compare him with Mitch Trubisky, which I think is probably the easiest comparison. It's convenient because he's a it's former lazy. Tar Heel quarterback. I think you're right. I think the arm strength is better. Um, you know, I think you know the one thing that Mitch probably has the advantage of when it when it comes to the two is probably as you mentioned the clock in the head, getting the ball out quicker, making quicker decisions. Um, but I think. Sam, believe it or not, probably the better runner of the two. And I mean, that was that was one of the elements that you saw once you got more to the NFL level from Mitch. But he had the ability to, you know, create something with his legs. He did it in the first couple of years in Chicago. Um, but I think Sam probably brings more in, in that aspect of the game. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, ultimately what will be best for him is the situation that Mitch never got. Mitch needed to go into a situation where he was a backup that set for a couple of years and ended up eventually being the guy. Similar, maybe not exactly the same situation as Rodgers, maybe not four years, but similar to what Aaron Rodgers went through, where you had to sit behind and learn from a veteran in the league um, and I mean, look, he he learned from Brett Favre, so you're not only always going to get that benefit. Although I said that I wanted Mitch Trubisky to land with the New Orleans Saints and sit behind Drew Brees, so that would have been a similar situation. Unfortunately for Sam, that situation doesn't look like it really appears here. Nope. Unless Atlanta's in the market for their next quarterback. Other than that, I don't really see any other places maybe Seattle behind Russell Wilson I mean I'm just trying to think out loud because Pittsburgh it looks like Ben Roethlisberger's already done so they're probably going to be drafting their next guy to take over next year already um so I mean it when you look at the situations I mean first with the comparison to to Mitch I mean what what do you think about that I don't think it's a comparison because I think the difference between Sam Howell and Mitch Trubisky is Sam Howell's an NFL quarterback Mitch Trubisky wasn't an NFL quarterback, and that was proven because I'm not of the belief that you should draft guys and sit them. You, if, if I'm drafting a quarterback high, by God, I'm putting him on the field and seeing what I got. And you found out pretty well, early. Well, Mitch Trubisky with, shouldn't have been drafted that high. It's just oh, that ex- simple. Exactly. Um, and so I think that's going to be the difference. There's some, there are some some scenarios where Mitch Trub- or where Sam Howell could go next year and start right away and be successful. Cleveland, you've got a. You've got a great offensive line. Wait a second. You've so got, you're telling me that the dude that is drawn, I mean, every comparison in the book for him, outside of the, from the educated draft community, is Baker Mayfield. And you believe that he would have more success than the guy that he's compared no, to. No, but there. he could go there and have success. He could go there and win six or seven games. <sighs> That's it, yeah, but I mean... 
I, I, do you really think that's a place where he can grow into something? With, I don't know. With with Kevin Stefanski, yes. Minnesota's another place. You have that running back, that wide receiver. You're probably going to have a new coaching staff and all that. That would be interesting. But that's the, a pretty solid offensive line in front of you, which is that not the – he – he is a dude like He's I've heard need people. An offensive line. I've heard people here in Charlotte that have suggested throwing you know him into the mix with Sam Darnold uh, here in Carolina. Matt Matt Rule would know have him murdered. He would sacrifice him. There is we we've seen mainly this year. The I mean the the numbers even if you go back to his first two years. The amount of sacks is surprisingly high. You, you would not think because it seemed like the offensive line played better than that. But it's surprisingly high even for those years. But this year in particular, you saw a guy that struggled under pressure. That's when he starts to sort of break down. That's when he sort of, you know, he, t- he takes those sacks that he shouldn't or he, th- he, he, he tries to force things a little bit too much because he's trying to make the big-time play. So he needs to have an, a, a good offensive line. And I think he needs to have a good running game, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll 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 see. And and I I think you know as I said, the one that he's being compared to a lot is Baker Mayfield. The thing that really stinks is unfortunately right now Baker Mayfield's not seen as in in very high regards around the NFL. So hopefully that doesn't affect his draft stock uh, as he moves into the draft. He's not the only one that entered the draft. Marcus McKeithen, the Tar Heels starting right guard. Entered the draft last night. He started 38 of 43 games that he played at Carolina. He was there five years, redshirted his first year, but then played in each of the next four seasons. Started every game of the final three, and he was an all-ACC honorable mention in each of the past two seasons. Uh, I think, you know, best attribute for him, definitely a better run blocker than he is a pass protector. Um there's some good things here. I don't think he was I, – I think a lot of people looked at him and, you know, I, I just from reading some of the comments when we put the article up last night, a lot of people looked at him said he's a member of this offensive line, so that means he's got to be terrible. <laughs> he was he, – he, I mean, look, I, he wasn't Went the great. most productive guy. This was not his best season. Um, honestly, it was probably his worst season that he's coming off of. Um, but I think most of the guys are probably like that. So it'll be interesting. What did you think of his decision to leave? I feel like a lot of Toriel fans really like the decision because they're just ready to get him out the door and move on because they really want to rebuild this offensive line. But just from his perspective, and again, this is a decision that there are multiple angles. There, there are multiple things that go into what exactly, uh, you know, and, and ends up being these these young kids' decisions. But if you were advising him, do you think that this was the right move for him? No, he's not. A, he's not ready for the NFL. But undoubtedly, his camp feels like he's ready. The chances of him starting in the NFL are slim to none. He's not a starter in the NFL. He's going to be a depth offensive lineman if he has an NFL career at all, which is why I could see why Tario fans are puzzled. Um, maybe he didn't feel like he would get the interest on the transfer portal. But for Carolina, this is the best thing for them. This mass exodus of talent in Howell. Ty Chandler, who, of course, his eligibility is up. All this is what's best for the program at a crossroads, in my opinion, because I think it, it puts pressure on Mac Brown. It puts pressure on a staff that, as it as we sit here on January 3rd, and despite a disappointment and a failure of a season, no changes are being made, well, it puts even more pressure on those guys to perform at a high level going into next season. And look, now it forces... Mac Brown and Stacey Searles to play those young guys on the roster that we believe ultimately are more talented. They just aren't ready right and they just weren't ready this year to be big time contributors. Well now you've got eight months to get those guys ready. Because you're losing some guys um off of out of that position group. So, you know, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, I wish him the best. Um offensive linemen can be tricky because 
you know, the, the way you grade on PFF looks a lot different than what you and I see on, on the film on every Saturday. Um, and look, there, there are places for guys like him that are really good run blockers. I would... I wouldn't mind seeing him in Dallas just to come in there and run block. Cleveland, you go, you know, there will be places where he could fit as a depth offensive lineman. And look, those guys that are just depth offensive linemen, well, they make a hell of a lot more money than you and I do. So it's not a bad life to that live. That is true. That is true. There are a lot of people that make more money than we do, though. But um, it's 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 definitely an interesting decision. I really hope that this isn't a decision. Of because I you know the way that Jordan Tucker worded his choice to go to the draft was interesting too. Basically, that they were you know they've been there long enough. I think it's time to go and and try my hand at the NFL. And I, I mean, I, it makes sense if you're saying, hey, I've been here. Both of those guys were at Carolina for five years. If you feel like that's the most that they can get out of you there, like you were mentioning with Sam Howell, then okay, it makes sense. There's a, there's a key difference, though. Jordan Tucker and Marcus McKeithen are nowhere on draft boards. Not that I've seen. Yep. I've looked at all of them. These guys aren't on there. And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they didn't expect these guys to come out. Um, I think, my personal opinion, I think that McKeithen is the better of the two guys. And I would think that he would be the one that, if one of them was to show up on draft boards, it would probably be him. But I, I think, you know, the thing is, can he get can he get one of those camp invites? Mm-hmm. And now, you know, with, with everything that's been going on in the NFL here over the last two years, I mean, that's if you can get on a practice squad... You can event you, you you're going to have more opportunities to make an impression because of everything that's been going on with COVID for the last couple of years. We don't know when it's actually going to be out of our lives. You never know. You could get that opportunity. So we'll see. I thought it was an interesting decision to say the least. He was joined later in the week by his teammate who made a similar decision to go ahead and go to the NFL. That was Joshua Izudu. Uh, this one a little more damaging for the Tar Heels on the offensive line. Izudu, uh, a productive member of uh, the last three offensive lines for the Tar Heels, graded out consistently as their top offensive lineman here in each of the past two seasons. Another one that's kind of an interesting decision, as you mentioned. It, it's going to have you know give them a chance to play some of these younger guys, but this is definitely not what this team uh, you know probably envisioned that they would lose all three of these guys, and now they are. You're losing Azudu, who uh, was an All ACC third team member a year ago, All ACC honorable mention this year, and was another veteran of that offensive line. Uh, and now they've they've got to find ways to replace all these guys, and it probably starts with uh, you know some of the guys that have been there over the past couple of years. Primarily, Ed Montillis is probably going to get one of the starting jobs. You'd imagine he'll probably end up being your left tackle or your left guard, I should say. Uh, but they do end up losing a guy that could be flexible and was used at left tackle uh, over the past couple of years in the Zudu. So that'll be interesting to see how they end up handling that. Uh, when it comes to the other guard position, that one's going to kind of be up in the air. You know, Jonathan. Dorno is probably the first name that comes to mind. He was the guy that was listed as the number two on the depth chart this year. But the problem with him is, is the times that we've seen him out there, he's really struggled. He's you know still struggling, I think, with his size. He definitely has to put on more weight than he played with at the high school level. Um, and I think it's also interesting to keep an eye on Zach Rice here. I know that a lot of people probably want him at right tackle, and some of the reviews that are coming out of the Under Armour All American game look really, really good against some of the best pass rushers in the country. So maybe he does end up factoring in there. Maybe that is the solution. That could also bring William Barnes into play, who, you know, last year, uh, this past season, spent most of his time at tackle as the backup there, but is capable of moving inside to guard. They did that a little bit with them over the offseason. So we'll just have to wait and see as to what exactly they end up 
doing there. It's another guy who made his uh, decision on his future. Uh, starting safety, Trey Morrison. He entered the transfer portal uh, on Friday following the bowl game. Uh, finished that game with three total tackles to close out his Carolina career. Uh, he finishes his career with 163 total tackles, 11 tackles for loss, three sacks, two interceptions, and 15 pass deflections. Um he exploded onto the scene back in his freshman season with 46 total tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and four pass deflections. Uh, when he was playing in the nickel, of course, made the move to starting free safety last year, uh, right before the Boston College game in 2020, of course, had that huge game against Boston College. But really, after that, Sort of struggle with the same things that we've talked about for everybody else at that safety spot, which is consistency. So he ends up moving on. This one, I think this makes some sense because there were some rumors that he was potentially looking at trying to go to the NFL as well. Both him and Kyler McMichael, who went to the same high school, were thinking about that. Good luck. I mean, I think as a nickel corner, there might be something here, but he's going to end up transferring anyways, which I think... Is, is probably a much better option for him um, you know, from the Atlanta area. So there are some smaller schools down there that could possibly give him a look. Georgia Southern, Georgia State, those types of schools are probably the ones that you're keeping the biggest eye on at this point. But, uh, you know, first of all, from from his perspective, I think this, this, this makes probably a little bit of sense uh, for him. And uh, ultimately for the Tar Heels, I think this is probably what's best for them as they really need to sort of revamp uh, that back end of that secondary. Those, those safeties, they've got to start doing something there. Yeah, my only complaint is why'd you play in the bowl game? Because you didn't wake up on Friday and decide Friday you were going to transfer. You have You have a month. Uh, go ahead and transfer because we could have benefited from having other guys on the field, guys that wanted to be here next year, as opposed to Trey. But look, he, hey man, Emory Jones announced that he was transferring from Florida like a month ago and started the game at quarterback for him. Yeah, well, so th- this is apparently a new trend that they have going on. So uh, look, he can go somewhere else and and maybe revamp his career and put enough on tape to go to the NFL. I don't think he's an NFL player. But what do I know? But for Carolina, yes, you have to revamp your secondary room because until you fix that, this defense, whether Jay Bateman's the coordinator or not, is not going to get any better. You need better players at say. At, well, at, at no. The it, w- w- when if Jay Bateman is the coordinator of this defense, this is not going to get any better. No matter what, no matter who you throw out there, this unit will not get any better. Well, it's just that simple. I, I agree with that as well. But you know, look. The the quicker they get all this done, the quicker they can identify in the portal what they need to go get, and then of course it helps them to address the recruiting classes in the future. Willing to add talent, add depth. Thank you for what you did, but uh, it's time to move on because well, you didn't do enough for us on the field to warrant want you being back in a starting position anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I would say out of out of the options. Back there in the secondary, he was probably one of the better options that the Toriels had this past year. Um, I would have rather him at free safety than Cameron Kelly for mo- mo- you know for the majority of the season. I mean, Cameron Kelly created turnovers, but he's such a hit and miss player. I mean, it's debatable, but yeah, this is one of those veteran guys. This is one of those quote Larry Fedora guys. That I mean, look, that excuse is out the window at this point because they've been there three years. So I don't really understand how people still use that. But you should be ha- if you're one of those people, you should be happy. This is another guy that's out the door and now is clearing space um, for you to get some of the younger guys in there. And now you've got to have some guys step up, and we'll see. Is it some of the younger guys on the roster? Is it a transfer? That that's something that we'll still have to uh, that that we'll have to wait and and see if it ends up coming uh, to fruition. Another guy that followed Morrison into the transfer portal here as we round out uh, this portion of the podcast. Stephen Gosnell entered the transfer portal on 
Monday night. Uh, he ends up entering the portal after the Tar Heels do bring in yet another slot receiver in this class in Tyshawn Doc Chapman. Uh, this move makes uh, you know some sense. I think a lot of people are looking at it and saying, man, you know, it's starting to snowball a little bit in terms of some of the guys that are in the portal. This one I don't think is really that one that you have to be too concerned about. It makes some sense because you now have Josh Downs, who's going to be coming back for at least this season. And look, I don't even think it's a foregone conclusion that he goes at the end of next season because he is a slot receiver. Those guys just do not get drafted all that high because they're not needed as much as the guys on the outside. So who knows? He could be here for another two years. We saw the type of production that he put up this season. And how, uh, you know he doesn't come off the field all that often at all. Carolina doesn't run a lot of two slot receiver sets so uh you know that makes a little bit of sense from that standpoint as well that playing time may not be readily available uh out of the gate and then you know gavin blackwell still there red shirt freshman guy who you know had a pretty good connection uh with sam howe that is not going to be a factor moving forward but does have a connection with drake may as well those two guys uh practiced and played on some seven on seven teams during his time uh, in high school in the charlotte area so he He's definitely a guy to keep an eye on as well. Probably a little bit more polished, can do uh, you know a little bit more after the catch than Stephen Gosnell can. And then with Doc Chapman coming in, he's your prototypical slot guy. He's got a ton of speed. He can really do some things uh, you know in in open space. So he's also going to be challenging for reps there. So this one makes a lot a little bit of sense. Also factor in that Benji. Gosnell, his brother, uh, is you know currently at Virginia Tech. You wonder if that could potentially end up being a destination for him if ultimately maybe he was hoping to be able to play with his brother all along. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on there, but not something that it feels like Toriel fans should be super concerned about. We'll take a quick break, come right back after this, and it'll be time to do a little true-false here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, No worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code TPPN, throw $1 down on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, true, false. Got a couple of questions here. I got five of them written down. You tell me true, false. These are going to revolve around some of the things that we've talked about so far today. Um, We'll start with number one. Sam Howe gets drafted in the first round of April's 2022 NFL draft. Oh, that's true. It's a quarterback-driven league. There's a lot of quarter. There's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks either tomorrow or into the future. Someone's gonna fall in love with them, and someone's gonna draft him because, well, you look at some of the quarterbacks in the past that have been drafted in the first round. He's better than some of those guys. He's gonna be a first round quarterback in the NFL draft. There, I, I elaborated. I I agree with you. I think now I'm gonna tell you, I am terrified of the one place that I have seen multiple outlets mocking him to. I do not want any part of him in Detroit. That would be an absolute disaster. Outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, who is a stud, he he is having a tremendous season on a team that's not good at all. I don't think there is anything there because that that's a situation where because they have two picks in the first round, he's gonna probably be, he would be taken with their pick somewhere in the twenties. He's probably gonna go in and start 
day one right there. Yeah. I, I don't I, I because they look pretty hell bent on moving on from Jared Goff, which I don't really get. I think Jared Goff has been put in a really bad situation. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback, but to then just think that Sam Howell's going to come in there and pick you up, that's probably not the greatest thing. But the thing is, is I think you're right. We talked about you know a little earlier trying to find a situation for him that's just right. I mean, is is, is Pittsburgh that right situation? Because I've seen him mock there a couple of times. Yeah, I mean, you got Pittsburgh, Cleveland, uh, Minnesota. Washington's going to be a you know a, a trendy place. Atlanta, Washington will wa- Washington's going to be up there. Cleveland, here's the thing about Cleveland. Cleveland seems pretty. St- they seem infatuated with the idea of going and getting a veteran, right? Preferably Deshaun Watson if all of his issues end up clearing up. So I don't think they're going to take a quarterback in the first round of the draft. Even Atlanta, I think it's kind of iffy because they still, for some reason, they still seem just 100% sold on the fact that Matt Ryan is their guy and he's going to be their guy for a little while going forward. I don't I, I, I don't see that. I think it, he's starting to get to that point where he's just kind of been mediocre. And you've got to find that future guy but if that's a if if he ends up getting a chance to sit there and learn for a year or two that may ultimately be the best option for him um one other one that i think's interesting don't sleep on the raiders potentially moving on from Derek Carr and trying to want more uh sam howell's a man of jesus he doesn't need to go to las vegas the temptations of sin that exist there Man, come on, dude. Sam Sam be watching too much film, dude. He's he's just he, that that wouldn't be a bad spot for him to go. Do you think that's do you see where my line of thinking is with that though? Because they've seemed to be I would be more into it and let me let me give the you know, let me clarify this. If John Gruden was the coach, not John Gruden the person. John Gruden's a terrible human being and he shouldn't be coaching the in the NFL. So here's so here's what you're saying. The problem right now is that we don't know who their head coach is. And if John Gruden was still the head coach, I would he, I think he would do wonders with a guy like Sam Howell. Well, first of all, if John Gruden was still the head coach, he would try to draft DJ Uyunglele because his infatuation with Clemson players is borderline uh it, it's, it's it's erotic. It's strange. It's honestly right up there with Rex Ryan's foot fetish. It's it's very concerning. Um but I think that could be that could be one on the table. So here's the thing. There are a lot of different options here for him. And I think that's also part of why he ends up going. It's interesting because every year after the draft, we sit there and say to ourselves, Man, what are the what what are the places that are honestly gonna need quarterbacks going forward? Yeah. And somehow, I mean, does this not seem like one of the most wide-open markets? Because one of the teams we didn't even mention, unless you mentioned them there in passing, Miami, are they sold on Tua Tungavailoa? And they I shouldn't mean, be. I don't, that situation to me, that one, I, I'm, I'm not as excited about that one from Sam's perspective. I just don't think there's a lot of weapons around him. He's, he'd have a heck of a defense around him. And I think Brian Flores is a heck of a coach. But if you if you had to rank your top three options right now, what would you say? Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Minnesota. I would go, yeah, I would go out of those, since you brought them up, I would go Minnesota one. I would go Atlanta two. And I think Pittsburgh would probably be three. So I think a lot of good options there. Uh, number two. This one, this is something we didn't talk about here because we've talked about it a lot before. But I, I I think this spin on it could be interesting. Drake May will have the starting quarterback job wrapped up by the end of spring ball. True or false? True, yes. I think I think he will be your starter. I think we'll know entering fall camp he will be your starter. I think Jacoby Criswell will be in the transfer portal after that battle. Um, look, there's a reason why Carolina recruited him, even while he was committed to Alabama, and they spent a lot of time recruiting him and flipping that recruitment. He he is what you're hoping you get 
in that next evolution, Taj Boy to Deshaun Watson. You're hoping you're going from Sam Howell to Drake May. He has the intangibles. He has the the talent to take you where you want to get to. Yes, he will be your starter in 2022. So I'm going to go false on this one. Not that he won't be your starter, but that he will have the job wrapped up by the end of spring ball. The reason I say this... If Carolina doesn't have their starting quarterback at the end of spring ball, they will not make a bowl game next year. And mark that. Write it down. They better know entering the summer who the hell their starting quarterback is. Well, I think I think there will be a clear leader in Drake May. But the problem is is that I go back to a story that Mac Brown has talked about multiple times about just quarterback battles in general because he brought it back up this year, but he brought it back up mainly when you had the battle between Cade Fortin, Jace Reuter, and, of course, Sam Howe, which Sam ultimately won back in the summer of 2019. He brings up all the time the battle between Colt McCoy and Jevin Sneed and how one of the most important battles that those two have is in the summer when they're away from the team and you have player-led practices. And one of the things that goes into their decision at quarterback is what some of the other players say about those quarterbacks out there because the players are going to have a better feel, he believes, than the coaches to a certain extent because you're playing with these guys every snap. So that's the reason why I don't think the decision will be made. Could it be made in their minds and be justified by what's happening in summer ball? Yeah, I think that's very possible. But I think that Going into fall camp, they will say publicly that the battle is still ongoing between Drake May and Jacoby Criswell. But yes, ultimately, I do think Drake May is going to be the guy that is going to be the starter. I think just based on all of, like you mentioned, the intangibles, I think his fit in the offense you know, just from what we've seen, I think, you know, Criswell coming out of high school, his his quarterback comparison was Sam Howe. But it feels like Drake May, you know, just from watching him, you know, last, last spring game, watching him in the limited snaps that he took against Wofford, he looks like a guy that feels more comfortable in this offense and is going to be able to do a little bit more with the football in his hands. I think he's a better thrower of the football. So I think Drake May will be your guy. But I don't know if he has it wrapped up by the end of spring ball. How about uh, this one? Marcus McKeithen ends up getting drafted. Oh, that's false. Hell no. He's not, a, he's not an NFL player. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be – I think it's really tough. Again, maybe he's a guy that a lot of people just didn't think was going to come out. But he's not on any of the major draft boards. And I'm talking about some of these sites that go way in-depth. I'm talking about 500 prospects or more. The Draft Network, they don't have him on their on their big board at all. Um, so I think he, he's got, he's got a, a, a steep hill to climb in order for him to get drafted into the NFL. I know a lot of people are probably looking. Do you, here, here's, how about this? Do you think he ends up making a preseason roster? For the first week, maybe second week. Okay. Yeah, I think he's. I think he can get an opportunity. He's got a big enough body. I think there's some quality things that he did there. If you go back and watch his 2019 and 2020 tape, I think you'll find things to like. 2021 wasn't nearly as good, so maybe, maybe he tries to keep people away from that one if he can. <laughs> Last one that we'll do here, the Tar Heels go into the transfer portal to get a transfer at safety. Now, we talked about this as we would do this. True. The thing is, do you honestly think the staff actually does this? Yeah. They better. That's not my question. The The question so th- is, the, the staff goes into the portal and Yeah, I and said gets true, them. and then okay. they better. Because if not, all you season ticket holders, turn them in. That's, that's the final straw right there. Don't show up to Keenan Stadium next year. If they do not address the needs on this team, if they do not address the needs on this coaching staff, if they do not address all the things that exist wrong within this program, there is no reason for us to spend our hard-earned money and give up our time to go watch a football team that, frankly, next year is going to struggle to make a bowl game 
even if they make these changes, if they don't make these changes. True, true, true. Because if not, there's going to be some harsher words said about Mac Brown this summer than the last summer when I got all y'all's panties in a wad telling you that in the modern era of college football, he's not that great of a head coach. And lo and behold, I've been proven right. And for some reason, you are extremely ecstatic about that, which brings into question a lot of different things. But we'll let the fans attack you on that. There's nothing to attack at HDB Josh. Oh, the, oh, the, the, you're you're you're. I I say one person calls into question your fandom, no doubt. Didn't I say while I was addressing all of these things that I want to win as bad as everybody else? I don't remember that. It's just a fact. I choose that to conveniently. He's forget not that. getting the job done. Oh well, he won a national championship. That was 15 freaking years ago. No one remembers he won a national championship then, mainly because you can't recognize him. He's 15 years older and 45 pounds heavier. No one remembers that. In the modern era of the playoff era of college football, he hasn't accomplished a whole lot of squat, and that is just the facts. I think it's false. I really think they are going to try to stay the course. (laughs) I am extremely concerned that they are just going to try to play the younger guys on this roster because I truly believe that in their mind they believe that they've recruited the right guys. And then when and the other and, and you want to know why? I have not seen one safety's name be brought up amongst the group of guys that they've been rumored to be talking to. Hmm. So that tells me that right now they feel like they've got the future there. I don't know who it is, but that person or people better emerge quickly in fall camp. I think, look, Jaquarius Conley has to be at safety. I know that you like him at nickelback. He might even be a better nickelback than he is a safety. He's the, better at nickelback than the band was the band nickelback was at nickelbacking. That was horrible. That was terrible. Nickelback wasn't even good as a band, but okay. His play at nickelback isn't good. It's acceptable. You no, are, no, he's he's a really good nickelback. The problem you is accept it because everybody every belt so your secondary sucks. I, I mean his his play in the nickel is really good from when we've seen him there. I mean as a freshman he was it, it, they they don't have nickel as an all ACC position. He would be an all ACC dude. And again when he went back there this year he was extremely effective. The problem is is that. At this point, you can't really afford not to play him at safety because you don't have anybody else. So you need DeAndre Boykins to be that guy in the nickel. You need DeAndre Hollins to be that guy in the nickel. Maybe maybe even Don Chapman to be that guy. You need somebody to step up because you need him at safety. But the other guy there has to step up. I've already said it. I would go into the portal and get a safety. No doubt in my mind, there there are good enough options out there that you can go and get. But right now, with everything that I've seen rumored and knowing how this staff has been, I really think that they are going to try to stick the course with the group that they have. And honestly, it's 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 pretty much just what the football program looks like they're doing right now, which is stay the course and hold your butt cheeks together because you're just you're you're praying that everything is going to somehow work itself out from this year. And I don't I, I, I don't know how good that strategy is really going to work out for you. But we'll have to wait and see. So we move on closing notes. Uh we start with the guy really the last remaining target in the 2022 class for the Tar Heels. That is 
three-star defensive tackle Ahmad Moten. He said his official visit to Carolina earlier today. So that means that Carolina will be getting a visit from him here in the month of January. That, of course, comes before the February signing day. Uh, So we will uh, have you covered on uh, his visit to campus whenever that does happen. Uh, The fact that Carolina gets a visit pretty big. Uh, He does have a top five. He'll probably try to fit all of those schools uh, into the month of January. So that'll be, you know, good for Carolina to be able to get him on campus. Now he's a, he is a guy that is in the backyard uh, of Miami. So it's going to be tough going down into Fort Lauderdale to try to pluck him from there, but we'll see if uh, Carolina is able to do that. Um, Carolina with a couple of guys uh, that are in the uh, upcoming All-American game this Saturday. Of course, there was a game that was played on Sunday. The Under Armour All-American game was played on Sunday. Uh, good game uh, overall for George Petaway. He had a highlight catch in that game. He, uh, along with Zach Rice, um, were the guys that that played in that game for Carolina, Uh, guys that did not play in that game but were a part of those teams were uh, Doc Chapman, the slot wide receiver, and Andre Green Jr., who was there during the week but did end up uh, getting injured to where he did not play in the game, unfortunately for him. Travis Shaw was there, um, but he did not play, I don't think, a snap. I I, I am going to go back and watch it again, do a little more of an in-depth breakdown for you guys, but he did not play in the game. It did not appear. He was on the sideline and at one point actually had his arm in a sling. So that is something to keep an eye on when it comes to him. In terms of the upcoming uh, Army All-American game, which is later on uh, this week on Saturday, Carolina will have linebacker commit Sebastian Cheeks, who will be playing in that game, the four-star, as well as four-star running back Amarian Hampton. That will be on NBC on Saturday. So make sure that you guys check that out. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Make sure that you guys head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. Check out all that great content that we got on there. We have that article up about Sam Howell entering the NFL draft. We go a little more in-depth on what he brought to the table for Carolina as well as his draft stock. And we also talk a little bit about that quarterback battle to replace him and what the overall outlook of the quarterback position looks like. We also have an article up there about Marcus McKeith entering the NFL draft. So make sure you go check that out. We tell you about some of the options that Carolina will have in terms of trying to replace him. There are a lot of different options, and a lot of them kind of depend on what ends up happening with Joshua Azudu, who we are still waiting on at this point. And then Trey Morrison in the transfer portal. We've got the article up about that. Go read about him a little more in depth as well, what his departure means for Carolina and how the Tar Heels can attempt to replace him on the back end of their defense and at that nickel position moving forward. Also, make sure that you guys check out all the stuff coming out of the bowl game against South Carolina. We've got the recap up there, our takeaways. We've also got the stock report that you guys can check out. And we also will have our final grades for the 2021 season. You won't want to miss that. These are going to be uh, some of the harsher grades that we've done uh, in a while. Uh, the past two years have, have been pretty good for Carolina, pretty successful for the Tar Heels on the field. So these ones are going to be uh, a, a little bit more stricter in a season that did not quite go the way that Carolina was hoping. So you, will, you won't want to miss those. Those will be coming out to wrap up the season uh, on the blog side of things, on the podcast side of things. We are, of course, going to have our awards at the end of the season where we hand out the awards that we do every single year. We'll do that, and then that will wrap up the in-season portion uh, of of the show for the 2021 season before we will turn our focus to the off-season. Of course, there are some recruiting things that we'll be doing in the off-season as well on both the website and the podcast side of things, so make sure you guys are keeping an eye on that. Transfer Portal is still pretty active. Carolina hopefully will continue to be active there. We'll see whether or not Mac Brown uh, is feeling like he's you know a- aggressive still after they've landed Corey Gaynor and Noah Taylor. If he's still going to try to go out and find somebody else, if he does, we'll have you covered on that front. And then of course 
the website and on the Four Corners podcast, Josh and me on the on the podcast as well. Have you covered when it comes to basketball season? Uh, Josh taking you through everything on the website side of things with the previews and the recaps, all that great stuff throughout the year. And then I'm joining him uh, on the podcast side of things, and we're breaking down all the games for you. We're doing month uh, monthly uh, lookbacks uh, at the success of Carolina each month. So. All that great stuff. Uh, you can find that on the website. Uh, we've got all, you know, uh, the all news tab at the top that you guys can check out. Of course, on the homepage, you've got uh, all the different uh, tabs that you can check out down there below. Uh, that has the top stories from each of the categories. You've also got top stories up there as well, so you guys can check out all of that great stuff. And the podcasts are there as well. There's tabs at the top of the page for both of them. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, though, which we highly recommend, make sure you go to one of the main websites that we have it on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, any of those major sites where you may listen to your podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast when you're there. Just search Heel Tough Vlog Podcast or the Four Corners Podcast and hit that subscribe button whenever you are on the page so that you don't miss any of the additions of the podcast that we have coming up. Also, make sure you guys check out these social media pages. Start with Facebook at Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. That has all of that great stuff, the articles, the uh, audio editions of the podcast, the video editions of the podcast, when those end up coming back, the waveform editions, all that great stuff is all in one spot on that Facebook page. And then also... Make sure you check out the Twitter page at Heel Tough Blog uh, for the main page, and then our personal pages you can check out as well at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for him, and at Hack Zubber Two for Zach Hubbard, our recruiting and transfer portal guy. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels.